Let's have our Bibles ready this evening in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Before I begin, could I express gratitude to the men this morning who helped our people from the parking lot into the building through the rain. There may have been several men involved. I saw Darrell and I saw Victor trying to keep up with Sharon. It may seem like a small thing, but it is in the accumulation of small things that there is goodwill and good influence. Many things are done by people here that we never see, but we express our appreciation. Honor to whom honor is due. These men this morning were sprinkled on our behalf. Colossians chapter 3. One of our goals this year is walking with Jesus daily. That is the personally intentional activity of obedience to Jesus every single day, day after day. No matter the difficulty, the opposition, or how weary we may be of life on earth, walking with Jesus daily. One part of our total motivation to walk with Jesus daily is knowing our identity as Christians. By that I simply mean knowing who we are, how God regards His people, and therefore how we should see ourselves. And here is a passage that equips us for that. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's make certain we know what it means to be raised with Christ. You'll notice implied in this passage and in Romans and other places a very simple sequence. Dying, being buried, and then raised. We certainly observe that in the events of Christ's life and His work for us. Jesus Christ died, was buried, but was raised from the dead. Now, the apostles of Christ taught that when one responds to the gospel to become a Christian, that one dies to sin, dies with Christ, is buried in the waters of baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. That's what's described in Colossians 2 and verse 12, Romans chapter 6, and it's a portrait of conversion. Dying from sin with Christ, that's our separation from the old life, the burial with Christ, buried with Him in baptism, Colossians 2.12, being raised with Christ is beginning your life as a converted person, 
Arise to walk in newness of life, Romans 6. Christians are those, therefore, who have been raised with Christ. We were buried with him in baptism. Now this says, raised with Christ. Now what does that plug into that I said earlier? It's an expression of our identity. We are people raised with Christ. Raised from our sinful past, lifted out of disobedience into obedience by our response to Jesus and what he did for us, who he is. So this is who we are as Christians. And that should play a big role in my motivation and your motivation to walk in obedience to Christ day after day. I was raised from the waters of baptism to get up every day from then on and avoid the sin I used to live in and walk with Jesus daily. It is plainly written so that we all understand the personally intentional activity of daily obedience to Christ. Now it says, if then you were raised with Christ. The word if in this passage does not express doubt. It expresses condition. It is conditional. If you've met this condition, <clears throat> the NIV says, since then you have been raised with Christ. So the verse is addressed to Christians. Since then, you are people who've been raised with Christ. If this is true, if you have been buried with Christ and having met that condition, you are in this company of those raised with Christ, so what? And that takes us to the heart of this passage. Here's the so what. Seek those things that are above. Here's what I know about every one of us. We have to deal with a variety of earthly things every day. You have to have clothes to wear, a place to live, groceries to eat, transportation, medical care, paying taxes, taking care of family. We are all concerned about politics and international conflict and the direction of the country and society. Even in the operation of the local church, we're concerned about building maintenance and security and schedule and all of that. My point is, for each one of us, there are earthly matters, things here on earth that we cannot ignore. In order to be engaged fully toward God and our responsibilities, these earthly concerns have to have our attention. But while we must handle earthly concerns, we need to maintain a heart that is always heavenly directed, seeking those things that are above, where Christ is at the right hand of God. Now, that's our challenge. To take care of things here on earth as efficiently and responsibly as we can, but without compromising or giving up our spiritual center. 
where our mind is directed, seeking heavenly things. I know people, and you know people, who have failed in this challenge. Their focus now is primarily on this world and what happens here on earth. With only occasional thoughts and interest in heaven, maybe just a weekly visit to a building, working 10 to 12 hours a day, children involved in excessive extracurricular activity, plenty of time devoted to recreation, no time to assemble with the saints or consistently attend Bible classes. People who are absorbed in what's happening here in this world, consumed, preoccupied, maybe used to be active members of a local church and good Bible students and good disciples, but they become slaves to the schedule and busyness and attraction of this world. They're eaten up with their busyness and often brag and chatter on and on about how much they have to do. I hope and pray that never happens to any of us. And I hope we can still reach the people who have fallen into the trap of earthly preoccupation. You've heard me say often that all the busyness and hectic pace we can fall into easily, the devil can use as a weapon against us. To inch by inch move us away from right thinking and right living. So Paul says to the Christians in Colossae, if then you were raised with Christ, if you've been converted, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. That should be the priority of my mind and my life. It should be true of every one of us. And this word seek is a verb requiring individual activity in response to God. The participation of one who is responding to God, who believes in Christ, who wants to grow spiritually, seeking the things that are above. It's right here in Colossians chapter 3. I was with several of our parents this afternoon. Parents here at Laurel Heights get together about once a month, especially those with smaller children. And we have conversations about how to apply what the Bible says to our parenting. And we had a good conversation today about the typical busyness the devil can use against families. Virtually all relationships are damaged when we get obsessively tied up in worldly matters. I'll say again. Virtually all relationships are damaged when we get obsessively tied up in worldly matters. Families are sometimes neglected for careers. And the career goes well, but not the family, not the marriage. Churches are sometimes strained for people to participate because schedules are loaded with things that only have temporary value. The devil can take all of that and use that hectic, frantic busyness as a tool against us, against me and against you. Families and churches sustain the damage. 
We need to get back to this very simple fundamental, seeking the things above. Seek first the kingdom, Jesus said. Right along with this idea of where our hearts ought to be, where our spiritual center ought to be, verse 2, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. It's like verse 2 gives clarity and plugs in a negative, not on things that are on the earth. So the challenge is before us again in verses 1 and 2. Dealing with earthly things to the best of our ability, but having your mind on things above. One man put it this way, you have to keep your hands on the daily task of life while your heart is set on eternity. That's our challenge. It isn't easy. Dealing with earthly things on a daily basis to the best of our ability, but with a mind, a heart that is directed above the earth, set on things above. And I've spent some time through the years trying to think of a good illustration of what this is about. And I hope this illustration will help. Driving your automobile. Especially when you're driving to a destination that has with it good anticipation. You're going through all the physical actions of driving. You're giving attention to road signs and road conditions and other traffic and weather and speed considerations and the law. You're doing all of that, but your mind is focused on your destination. Maybe it's a vacation destination you're excited about. Someone you're going to visit you think will do you good and do them good. A family reunion, maybe a Bible class or a Sunday evening sermon. And you're driving and your mind is involved in that activity, but your mind is really centered on where you're going, your destination. That's like what this is about in Colossians 3. I have to be engaged in earthly things. I have to have clothing, food, shelter, transportation. I have to be concerned about money and paying bills and taxes here in a few days. There are things almost trivial here on earth I have to take part in. I'll be taking the garbage out tomorrow. But my mind should not be focused on these things to the exclusion of what really matters eternally. Things above where Christ is at the right hand of God. Albert Barnes, the Bible commentator, wrote about this and said, The argument is that there was such a union between Christ and his people that in virtue of his death they became dead to sin, and in virtue of his resurrection they arose to spiritual life and that therefore, as Christ now lives in heaven, they fix their mind and their affections there. He said it well. Then, in verse 3, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is one case where it is appropriate and even useful to write a letter to the dead. Paul wrote a letter to the dead. 
Let's understand what that means. The reference is here to Christians who died with Christ to their old sinful life. The old sinful disobedient lives should have no more existence in Christ. No life, no energy, dead. To Christians, because they are no longer living in sin, it can, say, it can be said you have died to that old life. Now look at this. What you died to is sin. What you live for is this. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now that word hidden shouldn't throw you. The word hidden sometimes means so concealed that no one can see you. That's not exactly the image here. The word hidden is not really the idea of concealment or not being found. It carries the idea of protection. It is found several times in the book of Psalms where David makes reference to his trust in God and because of that trust, he knows he's protected, hidden, secure. In Christ, living for him daily, you have a secure place, a safe place, protected by all the nourishment that you receive from him. As you abide in him. So this is all about the attitude. The mindset. The Christian ought to have. Even though. We have to be involved in earthly things. There is a heavenly attitude. That should be constant. If then. You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Walking with Jesus daily. And we add verse 4 now. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Do you see, there is movement here from the present to the future, the good future. In many New Testament passages, we are addressed as to our present responsibility to God, and in that same passage, there's movement from the present to the future. In the present, we seek those things which are above. In the present, we set the mind on things which are above, not on things on the earth. Now, our present good life in Christ has an ultimate destination in the future. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So start with the idea of Christ, who is our life. Think of your life, and the exalted name Christ should explain what your life is about. Have you ever heard expressions like this? When someone is describing a person, they'll say about some man, usually it's a man, they'll say his life is sports. His life is golf. Or her life is her career. I heard a man on TV news the other day who said, this dog is my life. <laughs> 
When we say this about someone or something, the point we're making is the person's life is all about this thing, whatever is named. They are consumed with sports or golf or career or their pet. We are describing the main thing with us, Christ, ought to be the main thing, the main one. All that we think and say and do should be governed by our love for Christ, our interest in growing in Him, doing better, and being glorified with Him someday. John says, 1 John five twelve, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So both in spiritual terms and practical terms, it should be true of us that Jesus Christ is our life. We should take personal responsibility every day to be certain we abide in Him and that we grow in Him. We're not finished. We grow in Him with such regularity and such richness and depth of faith We live daily with the hope that when he appears, we will appear with him in glory. Galatians 2.20 comes to mind. Where Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. I'm going to leave you with these points. In the New Testament, there's no such thing as occasional Christianity or occasional discipleship. Whatever Christians do outwardly, the external must be centered in the internal. Set your minds. And this is not a divided mind, 50-50. No, set your mind. Center your life, your main focus. And what helps us answer the challenge is, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I think we need to think about that a lot. About how it will all end for those who seek the things that are above. Let's be standing as we sing.